Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for So I have this friend, he was talking about his car, how it always seems to be dirty. (laughs) So I remember telling him, well, wash it and it'll be clean. (laughs) It was a funny conversation, but you know, that is the obvious. Well, it's always dirty. Wash it and it'll be clean. uh, We're going to see something about that today in 2 Kings chapter 5. Just wash and be clean. 2 Kings 5 verse 1, where Naaman's leprosy is healed. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. Okay, leprosy is a contagious disease, and there's an infection. It affects the nerves and the skin and the eyes, but back then there was no cure for leprosy. And lepers, they were outcasts that were made to live alone, away from the culture, away from the society, because nobody wanted to catch it. And this disease breaks a person down until it ultimately claims their life. Now, we have a cure for that now, but back in that day, it was such a very extreme disease. There's no cure for it. Once you had it, you had it. Never been cured before. And so this man, Naaman, he was a great guy at what he did. He's a good commander. He did a lot of cool stuff, good at his job, but he had leprosy. 2 Kings 5 and 2. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were here with the prophet who is in Samaria for he would heal him of his leprosy. Okay, how fascinating it is that this Israelite girl, she was made a slave. She was taken from her homeland, okay, but she was concerned about the welfare of those that had made her a slave. So even though there was no cure for leprosy, she told Naaman's wife about the prophet Elisha would be able to heal him. She believed this, 2 Kings 5 and 4. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who was from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. Okay, so Naaman's king, he didn't want to lose his best commander guy to leprosy. So Naaman's king, he sent him to go visit the uh, 
he sent him to go visit King Jehoram of Israel, since Israel is where Elisha lived at, around in that area. Okay, now, guys, this is what it's all about here. This is not just about Naaman. This is also about King Jehoram, the king of Israel, okay? Now, if you remember, if you followed with me, we've been through all the history that we have been given about Jehoram, how he had been descended from a long line of God-haters, and God had just saved his life back in chapter 3. So now here in chapter 5, Naaman was sent to King Jehoram to ask about being healed. The intention here was to be healed by God's prophet Elisha. Now, as a big hater of God that this King Jehoram is, do you think this is going to turn out well? (laughs) You know, one would think by now that Jehoram would have good regard for the Lord, but let's see how it goes. 2 Kings 5 and 7, and it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. He believed that Naaman's king was trying to make, start a, start trouble. Guys, Jehoram, I, I hate to say it, he was, a, he was pretty much a dummy. Uh, look, in the letter, they did not ask Jehoram to heal Naaman, but that's what Jehoram thought. They didn't ask Jehoram to do it. Why did Jehoram react to the king's letter so crazy? Well, Naaman's king was King Ben-Hadad of Syria. He's the same king that we read about in 1 Kings chapter 20. He's the same guy that went to war with Jehoram's father, King Ahab. So they've had trouble in the past before. So when King Jehoram saw this letter, that it was from Ben-Hadad, he immediately went into this angry defensive mode. Oh, he's, fought, he's picked fights with us before. And that anger blocked his ability to think straight. That's why he tore his clothes. It was an act of distress because he thought Ben-Hadad was making fun of him. He, he thought Ben-Hadad was asking him to heal Naaman. He's like, I can't do that. I'm not God or something. And he just got all bent out of shape thinking, you know what? He's making fun of me. He looks to have a quarrel with me. He's just trying to pick another fight. That's what he thought. So he did not pause to consider that what was actually being asked in that letter was for Elisha to heal Naaman. It seems to me that Jehoram's reaction here, it shows us how much he disregarded Elisha. Elisha lived right in his backyard. He lived in Jehoram's territory. That's why Naaman went there. And so when he heard this letter about healing, he didn't think, oh, you know, they they must be here to see Elisha. No, he thought they were asking him. That shows you that Elisha was nowhere on his mind. Elisha wasn't on his radar. Jehoram, still not thinking about God, even though the Lord saved his life back in chapter 3. You know, friends, do you have people that are like this? They don't think about God. He's never on their mind. But when they get in real trouble, oh, my gosh, they want to pray and pray, and the Lord will deliver them to show them who he is, and then they just go right back to not thinking about God at all anymore. That's what Jehoram was doing here. So you can see how Jehoram's hatred of God was just as strong as ever, despite all that God had done for him. 2 Kings 5, 8. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, 
Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Now, I just love Elisha's response to King Jehoram here. (laughs) You remember how Elisha told him in chapter 3 that he did not even care to look at him. Remember, him and Jehoshaphat came up to ask for help. He's like, hey, if it weren't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even look at you because he knew what a God-hater he was. So when Elisha heard about Jehoram tearing his clothes, the fact that he even wrote to him, (laughs) Elisha wrote to the king, he basically said, hey, don't worry about it. I'll take care of this. You don't have the authority to deal with it anyway. Just send him to me so at least Naaman will know that there's a prophet in Israel. It's like you don't recognize there's a prophet in Israel, but at least Naaman will get it. (laughs) Do you hear uh, the tone in Elisha's words? Elisha kind of gave the king a reprimand. It was basically a reprimand. It was a rebuke against Jehoram because of his continued ignorance of God. Second Kings 5 and 9. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Okay, you notice how Elisha himself did not go out to meet Naaman, but he sent someone with instructions on what to do. Elisha was, why did he not go out and see Naaman himself? Okay, Elisha was not in awe of Naaman's great title. He wasn't impressed with his with Naaman's stature. You know, Elisha, he did not want to perform some kind of big ceremony. He didn't want to do some kind of customary gestures of honor towards Naaman. Why? Because Elisha knew that all the people of Israel, they were hearing about his miracles. They were learning from it. And Elisha did not want people to start thinking that only the rich people of high stature, that the the elite people had more right to God's blessings than the average guy did. God is willing to bless anybody who is faithful to him. So that's why he didn't go out to meet Naaman, because he wanted all the people to recognize, you know what, you're not getting any special treatment here. This kind of healing is for anybody. Okay, so the instructions that Elisha sent was instructions to a general. Okay, guys, get this for a minute. You walking up to a military general and giving him instructions. Okay, that's not that's not typical way to treat a general guy here, okay? But he told him, he gave him instructions to go and dip himself into the Jordan River seven times and that he would be healed of his leprosy. Now, first off, to dip in the Jordan, that's great. I've seen people get baptized in the Jordan. It's a wonderful place. But the power of the healing was not in the water of the Jordan itself. You can get baptized in any church, anywhere. You can get baptized in a ditch as long as your heart is in it, okay? It doesn't have to be a special place. Oh, the Jordan, it's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. But there was no special power in the water of the Jordan itself. The power of the healing was not in the water. It would be delivered from God through Naaman's faith. That's where the power's at. But that would be if Naaman acted in obedience to these instructions that he was just given. Okay, it's not the water that was going to do it. It was from his faith that would be healed by the power of God. And so Elisha was about to find out if Naaman, the great mighty general of stature and title, 
was willing to humble himself down enough to obey a simple messenger's instructions. You got this little messenger talking to a general. Here's what you need to do. Okay, okay you can see how this could go wrong real quick because <laughs> of the pride issue. Would Naaman be too proud of his own credentials to obey the instructions from this little messenger guy? Well, let's see. Second Kings 5.11. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpur, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Okay, well, there you go. (laughs) Naaman thought, hey, things are supposed to go the way I want it. Friend, have you ever thought like that? God has to do things the way I want it to turn out, okay? As a military commander, he was accustomed to barking orders at everybody else. So he didn't think he should have to be the one that had to obey anybody else. He ran his world his way. And he was even authentically good at what he did. We read that. It says he was good at conquering and all that. He's a good military guy. He was good at his job, but he was accustomed to doing things his way. But friends, that did not mean that the Lord was supposed to cater to him. Even if you're good at what you do, God does not have to cater to you. Okay? Anybody can be healed by faith, whether you're way up in stature or if you're low. It, it doesn't, God doesn't play favorites, okay? So look at how Naaman's pride was so offended because God didn't do things his way. That's our culture today. Everybody's so offended because you won't do things the way they want it for them. Well, God doesn't play that. Second Kings 5.13. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. <laughs> you know, Naaman's servants, they didn't see things the same way that Naaman did. They they weren't all puffed up with pride and angry the same way like he was. They could see it from a lower position. And they pointed out that if Elisha had told him to do something big and difficult, then that would only demonstrate Naaman's own power. Oh, yeah, I can do something really big and powerful. I'm the great Naaman. I'm I'm cool. I'm awesome. But his servants basically said, Naaman, this is not about you. This is not about your power. This is about the power of the Lord. It's not about you. See, Naaman's servants were able to see something he was not able to see. And friend, this is why you need to be in the body of Christ. This is why you need to be in a fellowship of other believers, because they can see things that you can't see. When you drift off in sin or in your pride, like Naaman just did, you need to be surrounded by good believers that can come to you and say, hey, no, wait a minute. We see something a little differently. Why don't you just do this, okay? And it could work out for your benefit. So apparently Naaman, he humbled down a little bit, uh, just enough anyway, to actually say, okay, 
I'm a great general, but whatever. Okay, this messenger, he's weighed down on the totem pole. Uh, okay, I'll do it. And he went and dipped in the water seven times. And seven in the Bible means the number of completeness. It, he didn't go down and dip once or twice. Okay, forget it. It's not working. He didn't dunk down into the water six times. Oh, okay, you know, that's enough. Forget it. No, seven times. Every time he did it, he had to realize. I've got to do this completely. I have to go all the way, push in all your chips. You're in full throttle, okay? Christian, you need to be in the Lord and your faith with him that he will provide, that he can heal full throttle all the way. You can't be sometimes, well, I don't know. Yeah, okay, well, there, I tried it. That didn't work. I Forget it. I'm going back to the way I used to be. No, you need to be all the way in. You need to trust the Lord with this, okay? And so he did all seven. And for his faith, the Lord healed him, healed him of an impossible disease that had no cure. And not only was he healed, but his skin was like that of a boyhood texture. Okay, he didn't end up with old man skin. I imagine a leper, if they were older, they, hey, I would be fine with old man skin, okay? But he didn't end up like that. To think that the Lord would give such blessing to someone that had such pride, he gave him not only healed skin, but better skin than anybody his age would have had. And friends, all this took was just a pinch of humility and a little bit of faith. Second Kings 5 and 15. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him. And he said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Okay, look at how changed Naaman was. Before, he had insulted Israel. He cursed Israel by saying that all the other rivers in the world were better then the Jordan, I could go wash anywhere and I should be fine. He just didn't want to follow the, yeah, he could have, you can be baptized in other, in other waters. You could, he could have dipped in other waters too, but the instructions were based to see if he would obey the Lord. That's why they said the Jordan just, was he going to obey or not? It was kind of a test here, but now look at his new words. He said, there's no God anywhere except the God in Israel. Friends, these are the words of a truly changed man. He was so changed that this time he did not expect Elisha to report to him. Naaman reported to Elisha. See, he come up at first, oh, you're supposed to come out with all this customary greeting and honor. He was all mad about it, but now he's not expecting that. This time he ran to Elisha. He's not prideful anymore. He has turned around the other way. What a changed man. And Christian, you know, if you're truly saved and your your mouth should speak new words, he went from cursing Israel to blessing Israel. He went from cursing God's man to, I know that there's no other God now. He was blessing God's man. Take a gift from me. I want to do something from you, for you. Friends, as a saved believer, your vocabulary should change. You shouldn't have cursing words anymore. You shouldn't have foul language. Even your words should change. Your behavior, your conduct should change. If you have not changed, then friend, you, you need to consider the fact you're probably not saved like you think you are. Your whole way of being needs to be new. 
Naaman was so changed a man, he wanted to give a gift to Elisha out of appreciation, but Elisha would not accept it. Why? Because again, he did not want God's blessings to be perceived that they were for sale or that they were only for the rich that could afford it. So he turned it down. Second Kings 5.17. So Naaman said, then if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Yet in this thing, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the temple of Rimmon to worship there, and he leans on my hand, and I bow down in the temple of Rimmon, when I bow down in the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. Okay. Since he wouldn't, since Elisha would not accept a gift from Naaman, he then turned it and said, Hey, can I take as much of Israel's soil as I can? (laughs) He wanted two mule loads of Israeli soil, of Israelite soil. So let's try to understand why he asked for this. Naaman's belief system was that a God could only be worshiped on his own land, or that an altar that you did sacrifices to a certain God, it had to be built with the dirt of that God's land, of that God's territory, that God's area. So even though Naaman still had some pagan beliefs swimming around in his head, because you can worship God anywhere, regardless of the dirt you're standing on, but in Naaman's mind, you can tell that by his request to take the dirt of Israel back with him, that was his way of saying he really wanted to worship the Lord when he got back to his own homeland. No, you don't have to worship the Lord on Israeli soil only, but in his thinking, he thought that's the way it worked. So that's why he asked for the mule loads of earth to to go back with him. He was demonstrating to Elisha, I just want to serve your God in the best way I know how, okay? And here's another issue here. Part of Naaman's job was to help the king go worship in a temple at Rimmon. So he said the king leaned on his hand. So I'm guessing perhaps that his king was old. So perhaps the king made it Naaman's job to assist him into the temple of Rimmon. So Naaman said, may the Lord pardon me when I do this. He told Elisha that this action was mandatory for him to keep his job. He had to help his king go into the temple of Rimmon. But he wanted Elisha to know that whenever he took the king in and he had to bow with the king, apparently because he was helping the king do this, he, he said, look, Elisha, even though I'm doing this, I want you to know, my heart is not going to be in it. Naaman truly wanted to worship the God of Israel. So he just said, look, as I do this for my job, may the Lord pardon me when I do this, okay? I want you to recall the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were mature believers. They refused to bow down to a false god, okay? They said, we're not going to do it. Now, you're thinking... Well, Naaman should have done the same thing. He said, no, I'm not going to bow on Rimmon anymore. Okay. Guys, we need to remember that Naaman was a brand new believer here. He wants to haul some earth back from Israel because he thinks that's how you have to worship. Okay, that's not right. But he was not mature enough yet to make that bold of a stand to say, well, I'm not going to bow in the temple of Rimmon anymore. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.